The bloody audio drama of Macbeth is a merely player's production. Written by William Shakespeare. Directed by Bailey Hancharik and Harrison Ostrowski. Managed and produced by Hannah Maver and Lexi Alexander. Sound designed by Carol Clareza. Poster designed by Sophie Siekman. Original narration by Joe Dietz. In Act 5, Macbeth was played by Connor Healy. Lady Macbeth was played by Bella Grandland. Malcolm was played by Juliana Torres. Ross was played by Sto... Ross was played by Sloane Burling. Lennox was played by Louise Ambler. Angus was played by Nikki Leopold. Macduff was played by Emma Skinner. The Doctor was played by David Shively Ertas. Seward was played by Harmony Lindstrom. The Gentlewoman was played by Sylvie Belden. And Satan and the Servant were played by Lev Goldman. Late at the castle of King Macbeth, the court doctor peers around a doorway in his nightgown. With him, a gentlewoman in the service of one Lady Macbeth. They stand in silence, waiting. I have two nights watched with you, but can perceive no truth in your report. When was it she last walked? Since his majesty went into the field, I've seen her rise from bed, throw her nightgown upon her, unlock her closet, take forth paper, fold it right upon it, read it, afterwards seal it, and again return to bed. Yet all this while in a most fast sleep. A great perturbation in nature. To receive at once the benefit of sleep and do the effects of watching? In this slumbery agitation, besides her walking and other actual performances, what at any time have you heard her say? That, sir, which I will not report after her. You may to me, and tis most meet you should. Neither to you nor anyone, having no witness to confirm my speech. As if in a trance, Lady Macbeth enters, eyes wide and holding a taper. Though she walks slowly, her head twitches nervously. Her eyes darting around the room. Lo, you here she comes. This is her very guise, and upon my life, fast asleep. Observe her, stand close. How came she by that light? I stood by her. She has light by her continually. Tis her command. You see her eyes are open. Aye, but the scents are shut. What is it she does now? Look how she rubs her hands. It is an accustomed action with her to seem thus watching her hands. I have known her continuing this a quarter of an hour. Yet here's a spot. Hark, she speaks. I will set down what comes from her to satisfy my remembrance the more strongly. Damn spot out, I say! One, two, why then tis time to do it! Hell is murky. Fie, my lord, fie, a soldier and a fear! What need we fear who knows it, when none can call our power to account? Yet, who would have thought the old man to have so much blood in him? Do you mark that? The Thane of Fife had a wife. Where is she now? Oh, what will these hands never be clean? No more of that, my lord, no more of that. You mar all with this starting. Go to, go to, you have known what you should not. She has spoke what you should not, I'm sure of that. Heaven knows what she has known. 
Here's the smell of blood still. All the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. <laughs> what a sigh is there. Oh, the heart is sorely charged. I would not have such a heart in my bosom for the dignity of the whole body. Well, well, well. Pray God it be, sir. Oh, this disease is beyond my practice. Yet I have known those which have walked in their sleep, who have died holily in their beds. Wash your hands, put on your nightgown, look not so pale. I tell you yet again, Banquo's buried. He cannot come out of one's grave. Even so? To bed, to bed. There's a knocking at the gate. Come, 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 give me your hand. What's, what's done cannot be undone. To bed, to bed, to bed. Will she go now to bed? Directly. Foul whisperings are abroad. Unnatural deeds do breed unnatural troubles. Infected minds to their death pillows will discharge their secrets. More needs she, the divine, than the physician. God, God, forgive us all. Look after her. Remove from her the means of all annoyance, and still keep eyes upon her. Oh, so, good night. My mind she has mated and amazed my sight. I think, but dare not speak. Good night, good doctor. Drum and flying colors. The thanes of Ross, Angus, and Lennox stand amidst a small army, ready for war once again. The English power is near, led on by Malcolm, his uncle Seward, and the good Macduff. Revenges burn in them. Their dear causes would to a bleeding and the grim alarm excite the mortified man. Near Burnham Wood shall we well meet them. That way are they coming. Who knows if Donalbane be with his brother? For certain, sir, he is not. I have a file of all the gentry. There is Seward's son and many unruffed youths that even now protest their first manhood. What does the tyrant? Great Dunsinane, he strongly fortifies. Some say he's mad. Others that lesser hate him do call it valiant fury. But for certain, he cannot buckle his distempered cause within the belt of rule. Now does he feel his secret murders sticking on his hands. Now minutely revolts, upbraid his faith breach. Those he commands move only in command, nothing in love. Now does he feel his title hang loose about him, like a giant's robe upon a dwarfish thief. Who then shall blame his pestered senses to recoil and start when all that is within him does condemn itself for being there? Well, march we on to give obedience where it is truly owed. Meet we the medicine of the sickly wheel, and with him pour we in our country's purge each drop of us, for so much as it needs to do the sovereign flower and drown the weeds. Make we our march towards Burnham. Macbeth, with his court doctor in tow, waves away a mass of attendants with a flick of his wrist. Bring me no more reports. Let them fly all. Till Burnham would remove to Dunsinane, I cannot taint with fear. What's the boy Malcolm? Was he not born of woman? The spirits that know all mortal consequences have pronounced me thus. Fear not, Macbeth. 
No man that's born of woman shall e'er have power upon thee. <laughs> then fly, false thanes, and mingle with the English epicures. The mind I sway by and the heart I bear shall never sag with doubt nor shake with fear. A servant cautiously enters the chamber and draws the furious gaze of Macbeth. <sighs> the devil damn thee, black, thou cream-faced loon! Where goest thou, that goose look? There is ten thousand. Geese, villain? Soldiers, sir. Go prick thy face and overread thy fear, thou lily-livered boy. What soldiers, Patch? Death of thy soul! Those linen cheeks of thine are counselors to fear. What soldiers, wayface? The English force so please you. Take thy face hence. The servant takes their face hence. Macbeth calls for his chief assistant. Satan! I am sick at heart when I behold. Satan, I say! This push will cheer me ever or deceit me now. I have lived long enough. My way of life has fallen into the sear, the yellow leaf, and that which should accompany old age, as honor, love, obedience, troops of friends, I must not look to have, but in their stead curses, not loud, but deep, mouth honor, breath, which the poor heart would fain deny and dare not. <clears throat> Satan! Satan bursts through the door and tries to maintain his composure. What's your gracious pleasure? What news more? All is confirmed, my lord, which was reported. <laughs> I'll fight till from my bones my flesh be hacked. Give me my armor. Tis not needed yet. <clears throat> I'll put it on. Send out more horses. Scare the country round. Hang those that talk of fear. <sighs> Give me mine armor! How does your patient, doctor? Uh, not so sick, my lord, as she is troubled with thick-coming fancies that keep her from her rest. <laughs> Cure her of that. Canst thou not minister to a mind diseased, pluck from the memory of a rooted sorrow, raise out the written troubles of the brain, and with some sweet oblivious antidote cleanse the stuffed bosom of that perilous stuff which weighs upon the heart? Uh, therein the patient must minister to himself. Ugh, throw physic to the dogs. I'll none of it. Come, put my armor on. Give me my staff. Satan, send out. Doctor, the thanes fly from me. Come, sir, dispatch. If thou couldst, doctor, cast the water of my land, find her disease, and purge it to a sound and pristine health, I would applaud thee to the very echo that should applaud again. Pull it off, I say. What rhubarb, senna, or what purgative drug would scour these English hence? Hearst thou of them? Uh, I, my good lord, uh, your royal preparation uh, makes us hear something. <laughs> Bring it after me. I will not be afraid of death in vain till Burnham Forest come to Dunsinane. Were I from Dunsinane away and clear, Prophet again should hardly draw me here. Drums and flying colors, the army of Seward marches forth towards a vast grove of trees. Cousins, I hope the days are near at hand that chambers will be safe. We doubt of nothing. What wood is this before us? The wood of Burnham. Let every soldier hew him down a bow and bear it before him. Thereby shall we shadow the numbers of our host and make discovery air in report of us. 
We learn no other, but the confident tyrant keeps still in Dunsinane, and will endure our setting down before it. Tis his main hope, for where there is advantage to be given, both more and less have given him the revolt, and none serve with him but constrained things whose hearts are absent too. Let our just censures attend the true event, and put we on industrious soldiership. The time approaches that will with due decision make us know what we shall say we have and what we owe. Thoughts speculative their unsure hopes relate, but certain issue strokes must arbitrate. Towards which, advance the war. As preparations march on the home of Macbeth, the king is yet again interrupted by the delivery of new and dire updates. Hang out our banners on the outward walls. The cry is still, they come! Our castle strength will laugh the siege to scorn. Here, let them lie till famine and the ague eat them up. Were they not forced with those that should be ours, we might have met them dareful, beard to beard, and beat them backward home. What is that noise? It is the cry of women, my good lord. <laughs> I have almost forgot the taste of fears. The time has been my senses would have cooled to hear a night shriek. And my fell of hair would at a dismal treatise rouse and stir as life were in it. I have supped full with horrors. Direness, familiar to my slaughterous thoughts, cannot one start me. Wherefore was that cry? The queen, my lord, is dead. She should have died hereafter. There would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day. To the last syllable of recorded time, and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Thou comest to use thy tongue, thy story quickly. Gracious, my lord, I should report that which I say I saw, but know not how to do it. Well, say, sir. As I did stand my watch upon the hill, I looked toward Burnham, and anon methought the wood began to move. Liar and slave! Let me endure your wrath, if it be not so. Within this three mile may you see it coming, I say a moving grove. If thou speakest false, upon the next tree shalt thou hang alive till famine cling thee. If thy speech be sooth, I care not if thou dost for me as much. I pull in resolution and begin to doubt the equivocation of the fiend that lies like truth. Fear not till burning wood do come to Dunsinane. And now a wood comes towards Dunsinane. Arm, arm, and out! If this which ye about just disappear, there is nor flying hence nor tarrying here. I gin to be aweary of the sun, and wish the estate of the world were now undone. Ring the alarm bell! Blow, wind, come, rack! At least we'll die with harness on our back. The wood drives ever closer to Dunsinane, as the rebel forces make their approach. As they near the castle, they prepare for the fight to commence. Now near enough, your leafy screens throw down and show like those you are. You, worthy uncle, shall with my cousin, your right noble son, lead our first battle. Worthy Macduff, and we shall take upon us what else remains to do, according to our order. Fare you well. Do we but find the tyrant's power tonight, 
Let us be beaten if we cannot fight. Make all our trumpets speak. Give them all breath, those clamorous harbingers of blood and death. The rebel forces have arrived. Alone, Macbeth considers where he currently stands in the wake of one of the witch's warnings coming true. His confidence begins to waver. They have tied me to a stake. I cannot fly, but bear-like, I must fight the course. What's he that was not born of woman? Such a one am I to fear, or none. Macduff approaches. Hungry for vengeance, he seeks out the villainous king. That way the noise is. Tyrant, show thy face. If thou beest slain with no stroke of mine, my wife and children's ghosts will haunt me still. I cannot strike at wretched kerns whose arms are hired to bear their staves. Either thou, Macbeth, or else my sword with an unbattered edge I sheath again, undeeded. There thou shouldst be, by this great clatter one of greatest note seems bruited. Let me find him, fortune, and more I beg not. Malcolm and Seward follow their soldiers into the breached walls of the castle. This way, my lord. The castle's gently rendered. The tyrant's people on both sides do fight. The noble thanes do bravely in the war. The day almost itself professes yours. And little is to do. We have met with foes that strike beside us. Enter, sir, the castle. Macbeth, fleeing from battle, stops to breathe in his great dining hall, where the sounds of joyful dinners are now replaced with the distant echoes of fighting and death. Why should I play the Roman fool and die on mine own sword? Whilst I see lives, the gashes do better upon them! Turn, hellhound! Turn! Macduff emerges into the great hall of the castle, weapon drawn. Fury burns in his eyes, the fury for King Duncan, for the lost wife and children that Macbeth took from him. They face each other, ready for what comes next. Of all else... Of all men else, I have avoided thee. But get thee back! My soul is too much charged with blood of thine already. I have no words. My voice is in my sword, thou bloodier villain, than terms can give thee out. Their swords clash! <laughs> thou losest labor. As easy mayst thou the entrenched air with thy keen sword impress as make me bleed. Let fall thy blade on vulnerable crests. I bear a charmed life which must not yield to one of woman born. <laughs> Despair thy charm, and let the angel who thou still hast served tell thee Macduff was from his mother's womb untimely ripped. Cursed be that tongue that tells me so, for it cowth my better part of man. And be these juggling fiends no more believed than palter with us in a double sense, that keep the word of promise to our ear and break it to our hope. I'll not fight with thee. Then yield thee, coward, and live to be the show and gaze of the time. We'll have thee as our rarer monsters are, painted upon a pole, and under it here may you see the tyrant. I will not yield to kiss the ground before young Malcolm's feet and to be baited with the rabble's curse. Though Burnham would be come to Dunsinane, and thou opposed being of no woman born, yet I will try the last. Before my body I throw my warlike shield. Lay on, Macduff, and damned be him that first cries, Hold! Enough! 
Macduff, both smarter and stronger, forces Macbeth back through the crumbling halls of the great castle as they fight. Another breach of the castle walls shakes the earth. As Macbeth stumbles backwards, Macduff's sword finds its mark in his chest. friends we miss were safe arrived. Some must go off, and yet by these I see so great a day as this is cheaply bought. Macduff is missing, and your noble son. Your son, my lord, has paid a soldier's debt. He only lived but till he was a man, the which no sooner had his prowess confirmed in the unshrinking station where he fought, but like a man he died. Then he is dead? Aye, and brought off the field. Your cause of sorrow must not be measured by his worth, for then it hath no end. Had he his, his hurts before? I on the front. Why then, God's soldier be he. Had I as many sons as I have hairs, I would not wish them to a fair death. And so his knell is nulled. He's worth more sorrow, and that I'll spend for him. He's worth no more. They say he parted well and paid his score, and so God be with him. Here comes newer comfort. Macduff appears before the crowd. In his hand, he holds his prize, Macbeth's severed head. Hail, king, for so thou art. Behold where stands the usurper's cursed head. The time is free. I see thee compassed with thy kingdom's pearl that speak my salutation in their minds, whose voices I desire aloud with mine. Hail, king of Scotland. Hail, Hail king, king of Scotland. We shall not spend a large expense of time before we reckon with your several loves and make us even with you. My thanes and kinsmen, henceforth be earls, the first that ever Scotland in such an honor named. What's more to do, which would be planted newly with the time, as coming home our exiled friends abroad that fled the snares of watchful tyranny, producing forth the cruel ministers of this dead butcher and his fiend-like queen who, as tis thought by self and violent hands, took off her life. This, and what needful else that calls upon us, by the grace of grace, we will perform in measure, time, and place. So thanks to all at once, and to each one whom we invite to see us crowned at Scone. Friends, thank you for listening along on this journey for coming with us on this story of magic, prophecy, and betrayal. From our directors, production team, and all of our wonderful actors, it's been a privilege having you join us through the fair and the foul. And for more from Merely Players, stay tuned.